0: Hey, 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 my beautiful people, how y'all doing? (laughs) Welcome back to the second episode of The King Fixes Humpty Dumpty, and I am your host, Queen Rhea. This episode is for anybody and everybody, with free time or no time, filled with hope and joy, or depleted, whole or broken, feeling buried in or coming out of a mess, because the good news is there is always a message, and they all point to a king who fixes all the cracks in our fractured soul. Before we go on, I would love to thank everyone who listened and shared the first episode. I really appreciate the love and feedback. I feel so blessed with an incredible audience. Christmas is a few days away, and as we busy away buying and going out of our way to give, I want to talk about the spirit of giving. We all know and have an idea about the baby born in a manger Jesus. If you don't, you can read about it in Matthew chapter two verse one to twelve. In this episode we will dive deeper into the spirit of the person who gave us Jesus. Most Christians could quote John three sixteen even if they had never opened a Bible in their entire life. It says, For this is how God loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Given that we are sensitive creatures, more sensitive than we like to admit, if there is anything more important than given, it is motive. So Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2 says, People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines your motives. In John 3.16, we learn that one of the reasons God gave is because he loved the world. Then in verse 5, we find that Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Okay, but why? In Genesis, God created the world and invested his love, presence and time to his creatures, having a healthy relationship with them. When Adam and Eve opened themselves up to sin, it tainted them and us as a species as well as everything around us. Consequently, as God is holy, it meant that nothing tainted and unclean can come near him without getting destroyed. It's kind of like God is the hottest fire at its purest, and humans are now anything and everything flammable when we used to be like gold, because sin changed our DNA. So even though God wants to come close to us, we will burn because He is so pure and holy. Therefore, through scriptures, we find that God came to his people, all his people to him based on crazy requirements, kind of like how we are cautious around fire, in the dark it is valuable to us when contained as light, keeping us warm, cooking our food, and more. When it is not contained, instead of burning just the candles and wood efficiently, it will burn down houses and rainforests the list goes on so we are separated from God but without him we are spiritually in darkness because he is light we are devoid of warmth because he is fire for our souls this is because while we are down here on earth we will never be just good or evil it's the effects of what happened when sin entered the world That's why we see good people make evil decisions and evil people make good decisions. And even while we do only good, we have moments where we straight down have evil thoughts and motives and that is enough to disqualify us. The truth of the matter is 99.99999999 is still not 100, regardless of how close it is to it. But time and time again, we see God coming to his people. At this very moment, someone is taking their first breath and another, their last. There are billions of people currently living now and many more have gone and are long forgotten. What makes life meaningful? Sure, what we do in the time we have matters and can be significant. But what happens when you die, and everyone who cares about you dies? Maybe you're influential, and people you never met remember your name and story, yet, did you really matter? Because you are more than your name and story, celebrities and everybody with a spotlight will tell you that there is truly more to you than being famous. How about those who were only alive to take a few breaths? Those who never had a chance to breathe because they were still birds. And how about those aborted? Do they really matter? They might matter to you, but on the grand scale of life, do they really matter with nothing or no one to remember them? In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 5 says, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. Having significance is relative to humans. They say, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, but there are literally billions of eyes from the past, present, and future. And just because you have eyes does not automatically mean that you have sight or don't need glasses (laughs) to help fix your vision. So what is truly beautiful and meaningful when every eye can perceive differently? I think that's why cancel culture exists and becomes more and more ruthless because there is simply everything to behold and we are not capable of holding it all without overloading and breaking down. Therefore we develop outrageous standards to make justifying and simplifying a sophisticated life a lot easier. Standards like one striking you out. Or sayings like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Otherwise, the only thing that makes them relevant and significant is time. Nevertheless, the seasons come and go, people grow. Some may appear the same, but ultimately they change. Whether for the good or evil depends on our perspective, which is driven by what we see. Perception can be very dangerous because people go to war to right a wrong start riots to stand up for injustice but they all leave a destructive trail and when it does not we all know by now that what is peaceful can appear threatening because of stereotypes discrimination prejudice rooted in fears and memories but the crazy thing is we don't always remember things right So, who decides the right angle in a 360 circle? But of course, you can see it's a circle when you're standing outside it, zoomed all the way out. And I mean all the way out just to see it. Much less comprehend it, talk even less about loving it. The truth is that you simply cannot love what you don't know. You can really like it and be a fan of it, but real love is something entirely different. I'm currently working on it and will always have to improve upon it because it is more than a noun and it is a verb. It is more than just emotions. It is action, a relationship scary fact is in matthew chapter 7 verse 21 to 23 jesus says not everyone who calls out to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So, what is God's laws? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself what is love 1st Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 to 7 says love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast In John chapter 14 verse 15 Jesus says if you love me keep my commandments and you know (laughs) if we only had to love Jesus vertically it might be a lot easier still Jesus died on the cross and proved that it is impossible to love him vertically without loving his people horizontally the truth of the matter is, even if we only had to love God vertically, we can't. We need God to love God. Furthermore, it is impossible because He is like fire, pure, and we are anything and everything flammable, impure. You might think that it means that God needs us to fuel His flame, but He is the kind of fire that does not need us to survive he could do without the extra heartache that is us <laughs> evidently with Moses in the book of Exodus when he appears as a burning bush there is literally a burning bush that isn't burning can you see the irony of that yet that is exactly the kind of phenomenal relationship that God pursues with you with us Because when sin entered the world and tainted us, he had to find a way to change our spiritual DNA so that we won't be flammable anymore when he gets close. Instead, we will be more like gold, purified. Sin is already wired into our earthly DNA, even if we are good people. This is because the fruit that brought about sin is from the tree of good and evil no such thing as big sin or small sin it is just sin with big and small consequences therefore as John chapter 3 verse 6 to 7 says human can reproduce only human life but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life so don't be surprised when I say that you must be born again I'm kind of reading scriptures backwards but verse 4 says what do you mean exclaimed Nicodemus how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again in verse 5 Jesus replied I tell you the truth unless you're born again you cannot see the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is here and near the one thing the dead cannot do is participate in the present or await the future. Therefore, if the kingdom of God is here and near, it makes sense that the only requirement is that you be spiritually alive. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To put it simply, cats can't give birth to dogs. Therefore, it makes sense that God chose Mary, a virgin, and created Jesus in her. God's word made flesh without sexual intercourse. Jesus who is born of God's DNA creates a spiritual race that is no longer flammable and able to contain the presence of God without being consumed by it. With all that said, if you never had the opportunity to accept Jesus into your life or keep postponing it but you would want to do so now, I would love nothing more and to present you with his gift this Christmas Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to 10 says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved so simply say this after me Lord God, you have already proven that you love me and through Jesus gave me the privilege of loving you back. Knowing that I might refuse you or I am humanly incapable of perfectly loving as you do. But by your grace, mercy, and spirit, you help me love you and grow into you as the person you've always designed me to be. I received Jesus as my Lord today. I believe he died and rose again. I am now born again and accepted into your kingdom. Thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. I always want to talk to someone in the same boat as me, anchored in God, even when the waves and winds are raging you know he can speak peace but still and they'll listen and you're bold enough to ask Jesus if you can walk on water to him and he will answer yes and if you deny him three times after he warned you that you would but confidently say you wouldn't Jesus will reinstate you three times every day you wake up with ideas to love serve and give But you are so terrified because you don't feel anything and expect to feel something. Even though you are aware that love is not just a feeling, you are also aware that love invokes feelings. So you feel troubled that you are excited by giving, but sometimes you don't like receiving. So. Try to hold off accepting anything until you feel as excited to receive as much as you do when you give. An example would be, um, you like giving hugs, Um, sometimes too many hugs, but sometimes you hate it and you think that's unfair because you never want that to be the response of someone that you hug. So you hold off, (laughs) but the more you deprive yourself of giving and receiving, the fewer chances you're giving yourself to recover. It's not like you're unaware of this realization, you're just tired of trying because it's either you're doing too much or not enough. Plus can't seem to find the right words to explain it without sounding like a roller coaster or delusional so you say nothing and be nothing (laughs) and sometimes you just don't have anything to say or do and you wish people would never misunderstand the difference so i'll remind you of this you are important to god and others And the greatest gift you can give in this moment is your presence, not to everyone, but to those around you. Because unlike God, who sees and loves everyone, we are only required to love our neighbors. So fix your eyes on the things that matter today. When zooming out terrifies you, zoom in and just lay one brick today. And you'll wake up with a home worth living in tomorrow, someday, whether it's spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, and relationally, and by God's grace, all of the above. Remember, feelings come and go, so don't wait around for them. Merry Christmas! thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for listening all the way to the end i really appreciate it it's my gift this christmas and if you'd like to give more you can share it with a friend or loved one i'm a stranger anyone really um if you were blessed i would love to hear about it if you gave your life to christ please tell me about it i love you and i'll see you next week. Bye. Have a Merry Christmas.